0: Good morning. Biden links Trump to Pelosi hammer attack. Powell hikes the rate again. Back from exile in Israel. Why is COVID stalking the poor? And Greta Thunberg calls greenwashing at COP27. With these and other stories, I'm Paul Durienzo with the news for Thursday morning, November 3rd, 2022. President Joe Biden called on Americans on Wednesday night to use their ballots in next week's midterm elections to stand up against lies, violence, and dangerous ultra MAGA election disruptors who are trying to succeed where they failed, he said, in subverting the 2020 elections. Biden linked the weekend attack on Paul Pelosi to the January 6th, 2021 assault on the Capitol.
1: As he told the police, he had come looking for Nancy Pelosi to take her hostage, to interrogate her, to threaten to break her kneecaps. But she wasn't there. Her husband, my friend Paul Pelosi, was home alone. The assailant tried to take Paul hostage. He woke him up. He wanted to tie him up. The assailant ended up using a hammer to smash Paul's skull. Thankfully, by the grace of God, Paul survived. All this happened after the assault. And it just, it's hard to even say. It's hard to even say. After the assailant entered the home asking, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Those are the very same words used by the mob when they stormed the United States Capitol on January the 6th. Biden also
0: aimed to get ahead of conspiracy theories about the ongoing vote, saying Americans were voting early by mail and by absentee ballot, and it would take time to tally them in a legal and orderly manner. Because of the pandemic in 2020, changes in voting procedures delayed the final count for five days. This year, 27 million people have already voted. And the Federal Reserve Board on Wednesday increased the prime interest rate by a substantial three-quarters of a point for fourth straight time. Its key rate now stands at its highest in 15 years. It was the central bank's sixth rate hike this year, a streak that has made mortgages and other consumer and business loans increasingly expensive and heightened the risk of a recession. The risk was evident as stock prices gained and slumped on Tuesday as Fed Chair Jerome Powell dashed the hopes of investors saying it was premature to talk about pausing interest rate hikes. It will become appropriate to slow the pace of increases
2: as we approach the level of interest rates that will be sufficiently restrictive to bring inflation down to our 2% goal. There is significant uncertainty around that level of interest rates. Even so, we still have some ways to go and incoming data since our last meeting suggests that the ultimate level of interest rates will be higher than previously expected. Our decisions will depend on the totality of incoming data and their implications for the outlook for economic activity and inflation. By
0: the end of the day, the S&P 500 fell 2.5%. The index had gained 8% in October. The route in stocks extended to Asia On Thursday, most markets in the region were down by midday in Seoul, with benchmark indexes in Hong Kong and Australia falling 2%. In news from the war in Europe, the Kremlin says it'll rejoin the United Nations-administered grain export corridor from Ukraine. Russia had pulled out over the weekend following a drone attack on a naval base in Crimea. Moscow's withdrawal from the deal had failed to halt a convoy that moved a record amount of grain in defiance of Russia's warning. Turkish President Recep Erdogan announced on Wednesday that Russia would return to the deal. A spokesperson for UN Secretary Antonio Guterres said the pressure was on Russia to relent, and it came from all over the world.
3: The Secretary General had been uh, working a lot of, phone, a lot of phones uh, over the last uh, three days, uh, speaking to a wide array of, of member states. I think what is clear is that the world as a whole has a stake in the um, in the full uh, implementation of the initiative, as well as in the, the removal of uh, any obstacles in the trade of Russian uh, grain and fertilizer.
0: Russia has repeatedly accused Ukraine of using the grain corridor to prepare attacks on Russia, including the bombing of the Kerch Bridge last month, where explosives used in the attack were allegedly shipped from Odessa. And the United Nations said Wednesday immediate action is needed in Haiti to save lives from a triple threat of cholera, malnutrition, and violence. The UN Committee of the Rights of the Child urged the international community to support Haiti's unelected government in the face of gang warfare in the streets of Port-au-Prince, the Caribbean country's capital. The spokesperson for the Secretary General says hundreds have died in violence and from the surge of cholera
3: the secretary general had been uh, working a lot of phone co- a lot of phones uh, over the last uh, 3 days uh, speaking to a n- wide array of, of member states i think what is clear is that the world as a whole has a stake in the um, in the full uh, implementation of the initiative, as well as in the, the removal of uh, any obstacles in the
0: trade of Russian uh, grain and fertilizer. Cholera is a deadly but preventable disease is caused by drinking contaminated water. Haiti had been cholera-free until October 2010, when infected sewage from United Nations peacekeepers sent after a devastating earthquake contaminated a river. And in Israel, a strong showing projected for the explicitly anti-Palestinian political party known as religious Zionism will probably catapult Benjamin Netanyahu back into the prime minister job after an 18-month absence. A freelance reporter who follows political events in Israel's is Richard Silverstein, he tells the news that with a slew of corruption cases against him pending, Netanyahu may take the opportunity to quash the investigations.
2: Well, uh, Netanyahu is one of the most corrupt prime ministers in Israel's history, uh, and and there have been some co- really corrupt ones before. Um He has four criminal uh, indictments against him. The case is stalled for some reason. Um, and now that Netanyahu has sixty five seats in the one hundred and twenty seat Knesset, he is a very strong uh, coalition government going to be stable. He's going to propose uh, new legislation which will eliminate uh, these charges and uh, in addition to hollowing out the judiciary, the independent judiciary judiciary in general. So um, there won't be any ability to uh, bring him up on these charges and he won't be threatened with having to resign as prime minister, which he would if he was convicted under current legislation. So um, he's going to skate. Uh, in, in this thing, and uh, it's going to mean that corruption will it'll be of the Wild West in terms of corruption, not just on the political level, but in, in commerce and uh, everyday life.
0: It, it seems like his name is falling in this pattern, of Bolsonaro, Trump, Orbach, I and mean, all these corrupt, you know, some of these uh, people in Kazakhstan and different places, uh, uh, corrupt politicians who have risen to populist power how do you explain that in israel
2: well there's no uh, no uh, um uh, it's not an accident that he's very close to Vladimir Putin um uh, he's also very close to Viktor Orbán uh, he's very uh, in sync with the Euro-fascists uh, running Poland and, and Hungary. Uh, definitely uh, his, his ideology is close to Bolsonaro. In fact, I think he, uh, the, the uh, outgoing Brazilian president wanted to move the, the embassy to Jerusalem. Um, so, yeah, he's really making alliances with uh, fascists around the world, and even with um, some leaders who are anti-Semitic. Um, Victor Orban sees himself as someone who supports Israel but hates Jews, if you can (laughs) parse that one. Um, So, yeah, we have uh, Netanyahu not just imposing fascism inside Israel, but making these alliances with fascists outside as well.
0: So how did he win this time politically? What happened in the way the electorate uh, voted compared to the last election when he was kicked out?
2: There were two different um, um, phenom- two two different factors that uh, made this uh, uh, uh un unrivaled uh, victory for him. One was the ascendancy of uh, a judeo-fascist party called Jewish power, which had six or seven seats in the last Knesset and has gone to fourteen seats now um it's an avowedly fascist party that um um really one of its main uh tenets is a hatred of palestinians uh even a murderous hatred um uh, the leader of the party likes to brandish p- pistols in in public and uh calls upon the police to actually uh kill palestinians and um so that party has become extremely powerful and really is the kingmaker in this coalition, and the two leaders are angling for major uh, ministerial posts so there 's never been a Kahanist actually in an Israeli cabinet, and there will be two of them now so that 's the one factor and the other is that um, the the uh, Zionist left, which is basically Jewish left parties um, were decimated. Um, one of the, the main one, called Meretz, is not even going to enter the Knesset for the first time, maybe in its entire history over decades. The other problem is that the Israeli-Palestinian parties, the four of them splintered. They had been running together as the joint list, and they had gained 15 seats in the last Knesset because they splintered several of the, indip- the separate parties, didn't even make it into the Knesset, and now they're down to four seats. So if you combine this, um, this uh, massive uh, uprising of the far right and the decimation of the left, that's basically how he got in.
0: So what's going to happen next, uh, especially regarding Palestinians and Gaza and the prospects of peace?
2: Well, it doesn't look good uh, for the Palestinians. Uh, there have been uh, anywhere from one to four Uh, Israeli murders of Palestinians through military operations in the West Bank. Uh, That's going to be even accelerated more. There will be proposals probably to expel Palestinians or to do things that are just short of that. Um, There will be uh, even more calls for making Israel a a Judeo-supremacist state uh there will be suppression of Israeli Palestinian citizens of Israel more even than uh, currently um, is they're really going down a road that will lead to even more violence and even more murder um, than they have currently so um you know there are some people who on the left who think and I I share their view that this in a in a perverse way is a good thing Because until now, most people could call Israel a liberal democratic state. Uh, You can no longer, clearly you can no longer do that. There are some people like the Biden administration who um, linger under this delusion that Israel is that. You have Biden saying a a week or so ago that if there was no Israel, uh, we would have to invent it. Uh, Anyone who talks like that now is completely delusional um and and i think that israel's support in the world is going to plummet and i think uh, groups like the bds movement are going to uh, become stronger because they are the only alternatives to this uh, judeo-fascist state
0: richard silverstein is a freelance reporter who follows political events in israel the left-wing zionist party Meretz could lose six seats in the knesset a route for the left-leaning coalition of liberals and Israeli Arabs that forced Netanyahu from office a year and a half ago. In COVID news, last month, the Colorado Policy Agenda published a report that nearly one-fourth of Latinos in the state are living with long-term COVID symptoms. The reports also stated Latino parents are three times more susceptible to long-term COVID than Latinos without children. The director of research at the Latino Policy Forum in Illinois is Noreen Chagruh, She says the problem starts with access to health care.
4: We know that Latinos are the the racial or ethnic group that's least likely to have insurance. When COVID hit, going to doctors and hospitals, if you didn't have insurance, required money. People weren't going to go. In addition, um, we know that, at least here in Illinois... The group, the racial or ethnic group, most likely to be earning less than $15 an hour and working are Latinos. You've got people working in low-wage jobs. You have people not having access to primary health care, not having access to the health care system, either because they don't have insurance or they don't have the money to access a pandemic hits, people still have to work. At the same time, we had initial resources, and Illinois was a little bit different because the state actually stepped in and provided resources independent of families' immigration status. But let's remember that the first round of support for people who were taking huge economic hits, and immigration was used as a metric. And at the same time, we had the discussion of the public charge, which was a threat hanging over people in any community where there were immigrants or mixed status families. You had this constellation of political and economic and pre-existing structural conditions that really put the Latino community in a position to really take a huge hit. The deaths to people 20 to 59, the age adjusted death rates, the high rates of infection. In Illinois, we were, the Latino rates were significantly higher than every other racial or ethnic group. Latinos were also the group least likely to be tested. So we knew that those rates were even higher than what was being reported. The age adjusted rates indicated that it was young Latinos who were being hit very, very hard, working age and parents. In the report that we did, people told us they, in community conversations, and this is in the report, People feared taking a test. They were told by employers, if you take a test and are positive and you let us know, we're going to fire you.
0: What you think is the prescription for this?
4: Anybody who thinks about inequities and puts a Latino lens on it has to look at the important role that the Latino population plays in the economic fabric, the economic strength, the population growth, when you look at it through the Latino lens, if we really want a viable, economically strong, socially stable country, do we not want people to have access to education, health care, good jobs, so that they can Contribute and and make this society energized, viable, strong. Um, and, you know, how do you change that? You obviously have to have policies whose end goal is to not just look at macro level 401k returns, but also how is it that people who are doing essential jobs, how is it that people who are marginalized, whether it's because of structural racism or it's economic marginalization, how do we ensure that they have access and opportunity? And that's the question in the lens we should be putting on all our policy.
0: Noreen Chigrou is director of research at the Latino Policy Forum in Illinois. Advocates say universal sick leave, allowing workers nationwide to stay home if they're sick, would be the most important reform to come from the report. And finally, Swedish climate activist Greta Thunberg says she'll skip next month's COP27 talks in Egypt. The 19-year-old activist had previously tweeted to express solidarity with prisoners of conscience being held in Egypt. The UN's 27th conference on climate opens in the Red Sea resort town of Sharm el-Sheikh on November 6th. Thunberg says the COPs are mainly used as an opportunity for leaders and people in power to get attention, using many different kinds of greenwashing.
5: Overall, these conferences you are
2: not attending COP twenty-seven, I think. No. no.
5: Overall, these conferences of parties are now more or less. I mean, they're more or less designed in a way which allows and even encourages countries to, and nations and world leaders to, to cheat and use other loopholes in these schemes to benefit themselves by using by excluding large parts of emissions by using baseline manipulation by excluding historic emissions, and and etc not focusing on the global aspect of justice and so on and if if that is not even present there the fact that all of this is happening that's a clear sign that it's not going to lead to any major changes if we do not even include all the problem if we only include a small part of it. That's a clear sign that they're not really taking this seriously. Um, and right now it's more or less being used as, as a way for them to greenwash themselves and to say that we are taking action by deciding on these small, symbolic, vague, very distant commitments that then, they, that then very often fail to even reach. Um, but that's not being really communicated.
0: Swedish climate activist Greta Thunberg. On Sunday, Thunberg called for more people to get involved in climate activism, saying the time had come for drastic changes to the status quo. And United States climate envoy John Kerry responded to Thunberg during a news conference on Wednesday.
1: While many of us are chagrined that it has taken so long for us to get to a place where more and more people are accepting what's happening, we are there. And the only way to be able to organize ourselves and get the job done when you have 200 or so nations that are involved in this is to come together somewhere and work at it. Now, you know, she's not a government official and therefore doesn't have, uh, you know, the same role to play in that regard. But I completely respect uh, her choice. And most importantly, I'm grateful that somebody has cared as much as she has cared and has put herself on the line as forcefully as she has.
0: United States Climate Envoy John Kerry. COP, C-O-P, stands for Conference of Parties. It's a meeting of governments that have signed onto to the world's major climate change agreements, the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, the Kyoto Protocol, or the Paris Agreement. The goal of treaties has been to hold global temperature rise to less than 2 degrees. A UN report last month says the world is on track for a 2.8 degree rise. And that's the news for Thursday morning, November 3rd, 2022. The news was produced and written by this reporter. You can find the news at pauldurienzo.com. From New York City, I'm Paul Durienzo. Thanks for listening.